Morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fife Property Show. Great topic this morning to discuss, and it's becoming an accidental landlord, and all you need to know to make it a success. To help me discuss this this morning, I have a investor and landlord, Jim Parker. Morning, Jim. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm really good this morning. How are you? Fantastic. I've just been here for a wee walk. It's absolutely beautiful out there. Ah, it was really nice today. Yeah. So, I, and also, we have letting agent Karen Marshall this morning. Morning, Karen. <laughs> uh, how are you today, Karen? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really well. So yeah, today's topic is becoming an accidental landlord and how to make it a success. So I'll just go in and I'll, I'll, I'll introduce the, the subject this morning. So not everyone sets out to be a landlord and becoming an accidental one is, the most, is more common than you think. An accidental landlord is someone who becomes a landlord by circumstances rather than by plan. And it can happen for several reasons. You could be re relocating for work, moving in with your partner, or having trouble finding a buyer on your current home, or you might have inherited the property. That's a really common one. Uh, being a landlord can provide you with an unexpected passive income, but there's a lot to know before you get started. Lettings legislation is complex, forever changing, and comes with plenty of responsibilities. So it pays to be informed to make your transition from property owner to landlord as smooth as possible. So yeah, an accidental landlord, and I think um, there's a lot of common ones there that we see quite a lot, obviously inheriting a property and people relocating for work and things as well, and then choosing to uh, let the property out. Um, Karen, do you see a lot of that, obviously, working within lettings and things? Yep, we've got a lot of it. So like you say, it comes in all different forms in the way that they've ended up with the property, but they all seem to have the same sort of attachment to it. So it's trying to obviously walk them through different stages and adapting from owning that property to yeah jim accidental landlord sometimes mm -hmm. is a blessing in disguise i don't think people realize how how fortunate they are in some occasions to be that accidental landlord yeah. if the numbers stack up it then begins and the penny begins to drop it's like wait a minute i should have been doing this years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people find that uh, obviously it's something they've never maybe considered or thought about and then lo and behold they end up being a landlord of a property and then see how lucrative it could be. So. I don't think they realise though um, as well as the amount of legislation they've got to comply with. Yeah, I think and that's well, a big thing Yeah, that people don't expect and um, it pays to obviously be informed about that, I think. And, and even, even even dare I say some of the letting agents don't understand the legislation to comply with. <laughs> Well, I mean, look at that. I mean, let, yeah. let's let's talk about a case in point. I've just bought two properties managed yeah. by another letting agent in Cooper. I'm not going to say who they are, and we've got to do the EICR because it does not exist, and yet it's been tenanted before. And we've got to do the gas certificate because they're out of date, and then we've got to do what as well the smoke detectors and the heat yeah. detectors. This letting agent had no idea what they were doing, and they've been around for thirty years. I think we have to do everything for those ones, and uh, scarily enough, there's a tenant in one of them. <laughs> so, um, God yeah, forbid, I I'll tell you what, what happens with that, and I'll get on my high horse with this, is <laughs> you as a landlord or an investor, the letting agent, nothing happens to the letting agent, if anything happens to the tenant, you're the one liable for it. If the yeah. tenant dies because the gas certificate isn't in place, or the smoke detector wasn't done properly, or the heat detector wasn't done properly, you're going to jail. Yeah. Corporate manslaughter. Yeah, as as a cheery start to the day. <laughs> but the penalties around obviously not complying with the legislation uh, can be quite hefty, and uh, obviously depending on what the the outcome uh, is. But 
it pays to have obviously a, a letting agent who is knowledgeable and does things obviously correctly but you have to have a lot of trust in your letting agent that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing because like you say inevitably it falls back to you as the landlord and the property owner um, so that's really important and i think obviously becoming an accidental landlord you need to then obviously consider about how you're going to manage and uh, look after the property and this brings us on to our first topic which is finding and managing tenants now generally speaking landlords divide into two camps those who choose to self-manage once letting agents have been found once letting agents have found a tenant and those who ask a managing agent to take care of everything the question ultimately comes down to whether you wish to be an active landlord or with a with a passive or with a passive income to help you decide which option is right here's a quick rundown of what's involved now finding a tenant entails advertising your property vetting inquiries for for their suitability attending and viewings negotiating offers and referencing prospective candidates creating a tenancy means getting your property professionally cleaned, preparing a tenancy agreement, collecting the first month's rent and security deposit, drawing up detailed inventory, and then meeting the tenants to sign off on the paperwork and hand over the keys. Now, that's a very brief rundown of what actually is involved. But the, I think the, they, they are the main points. Who wants so to be an active more. landlord? Yeah, there is so much more involved in it, and we, all know, we know that first, firsthand. Um, Kieran, you'll know that because you set up a lot of the, the tenancies for their lettings division. So, uh, there's a lot of work involved. Obviously, you've got it in a nutshell, but yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it and there's going to be unexpected things that pop up. So the amount of time that it can take just to get things sorted for your property for a move-in is very time-consuming. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and that's just the initial, obviously, advertising and, and referencing and finding the tenant. Um, and I think I think once we done training, Karen, and, and we done a list, and we were asked to write down everything that we do in that process, and I think we were a hundred and odd points, and we were we were still more to add to that. So that was a good exercise to actually demonstrate how much goes into that process. And then obviously, on uh, ongoing management includes organising gas and electrical safety checks, dealing with maintenance, repairs, and emergencies, carrying out inspections during the tenancy, staying on top of lettings legislation ensuring payment of rent, handling any issues that may arise with your tenants or their neighbours, meeting with the tenants to collect the keys when they move out, and finally checking your property against the inventory to agree on any deductions from the security deposit. Um, um, if you live near a rental property and have the time and inclination to deal with all of the above, being a self-managed landlord could be for you. If you live further away or you're busy enough already, it can prove impractical to manage everything yourself. I think that's the, the, the two sides to look at. I mean, if you do have property and maybe you already are retired and you want to actually maybe do the whole management process, then that's fine. But you need to obviously be in the know. I think if you're an investor and, and looking to build a portfolio and things, you need to have a letting agent on site who's going to do all that for you and take all the the worry of trying to keep up with legislation and and using your own time to constantly uh, manage the property um, it has a lot of it is quite time consuming and takes up a lot of uh, our time managing properties but that's how that's what we're here for um would you agree with that jim it's interesting that you said that uh, you're retired to look after your own properties and i'm like okay so no, the next example, but... so no this is this is but we had it the other day mind i had an yeah. investor i was doing a private session with an investor uh, a couple 
and uh, and and you, when you you hit the nail on the head when when you retire from your job, woohoo! Yeah. To get another job, you get another job. Yeah, uh, what's what's the mentality in that? It's like you retire from your job to have an easy life and to relax and take take account of the rewards that you've actually accumulated over the years yeah. in order to enjoy them, to benefit from them. And lo and behold, you go out and you get another job. And it's yeah. like, just stay in your existing job. And then just pay a, a letting agent, if that's the case, to go and do that for you. Because I tell you what, it's your own job that you've just retired from is probably a hell of a lot easier than becoming a, 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 man, a self-managed landlord. Self-managed yeah. landlord is not for the faint-hearted. I can guarantee you that. I have done both. And I tell you what, being an, a hands-off, passive income landlord investor is the best way to go. But you have to have a good team on side in order to understand the legislation, know the process, and know exactly what they need to do, when they need to do it, and how they need to do it in order to get the right result in the most efficient time and to maximise the return on your capital. That's really what it comes down to. That's it in a nutshell. We could almost yeah. end the show there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, a, that's like a final thought. <laughs> but yeah, but definitely, you know, I, I'd taken some notes on that, and I thought, you know, self-managing and, and, and having a letting agent is completely different uh, yeah. kettle of fish. Um, the self-managed route, uh, doing it yourself and all the rest of it, you've got to learn a raft of legislation. Yet, you know, at some point in time in the future, we're going to have accredited landlords. They're going to be forced down the track by the Scottish government to actually be uh, accredited and have some sort of qualification to ensure that they're actually looking after their property. It's amazing the amount of landlords I go round, and I just look, and they've been doing it for years, and I just have a look around their properties when they're either selling or they're thinking about uh, letting through us or they're thinking about offloading an off-market deal with me. And I look round and I think, geez, you've no done this and you've no done that, and where's your EICR and where's your gas certificate? Where's your Legionella test certificate? Yeah. Where, you know, um, and, and all these different things um, they don't don't account of. I mean, it's amazing the amount of landlords that are still in the dark ages with the smoke detectors. It's like, oh well, I've got one upstairs and I've got one downstairs. Yeah. Right. Okay. What about every single reception room? What about the heat detector in your kitchen? Um, you know, are they all interlinked? Is there a, one of them hardwired? Um, because you can't just have them all barry. Eh? One of them has to be hardwired. So it's it's a it's a raft of different things you've got to learn. And, and being an accidental landlord can actually pay dividends, but but if you go and try and self-manage it yourself, being an accidental landlord, you're on a hiding to nothing. You should really you yeah. should really be getting a proper professional letting agent to do it for you. Yeah, I think that obviously the, the, the basic fundamentals of obviously the legislation and keeping property compliant and uh, uh, to us, obviously, as, as uh, letting agents, Ken, you'll obviously appreciate this because uh, you deal with it on a daily basis and we've trained in it all and and it's just a second nature to us that obviously we know where smoke alarm, where they're meant to be, uh, how 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 long the lifespan is, and what an EICR is, and when, when it needs to be renewed. And these are all just things that we know off the cuff. But to accidental landlords, it will be completely new and absolutely foreign to them. Well, it's um, a classic example that you're paid to do it. I mean, it's your job day in day out. You know that that's that's the nuts and bolts of it. I always mm. I always say never argue with somebody that's paid to do that job yeah. because I will tell you what. If you're doing it voluntarily, this is in terms of disputes and stuff. It's like they've got a full-time job. You're keeping them in a job. They're yeah. getting paid for it while you're arguing about it, and and it's a completely voluntary, unpaid position for you. 
and and all your all the life is sucked out of you at the same time, and then you're not getting so hey for the price of a cup of coffee every single day, I would rather have a letting agent do it for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Karen, do you experience obviously the the feedback for people maybe who are accidental or new landlords, um, and when you're advising them of what needs to be in place, that how maybe uneducated they are to the fact. Yeah, I think it can be quite overwhelming. Obviously, like you're saying, there's a lot of like safety regulations going along with it. Even the leases, they've obviously changed in the last few years. So we have like landlords that are like, even we've got new ones that come up and they're like, oh, are the leases still have fixed terms? It's like, no, they haven't for a few years now. So it's just, it's all these little bits and pieces that they don't know. And obviously we take it for granted because we've been doing it for so long and we do know all of this, but and even like regulations with regards to smoke alarms they seem to be changing quite a lot as well so it's hard to if you are an accidental landlord that's not doing this full time it's hard to keep up and know that you're doing the right things and like jim says even you've got letting it, that, that should have been a case of just taking on a property that had everything in place for it all we should have had to do was get an inventory when the tenant was going to be moving in into the new one but it wasn't we're now having to get eicr gas there all everything able to get when the reality is if you had somebody properly looking after it that should have all been in place it's interesting that you talk about the rent collection as well because it says on there you know um, in terms of the rent collection and, and making sure it's all collected i mean look at look at the case in point this week you know we had three uh, cases of outstanding rent and within 15 minutes it was resolved yeah thousands coming in and i'll bet you a pound to a penny no one else would even want to do that um, mm. Because they don't understand the systems and how they work and how they operate in order to in order to jump through all these hoops in order to tick mm. all the boxes to make sure they're all paid exactly when they're meant to be paid, and and that's that's the expertise that a letting agent gives you. I'm not mm. I'm not going to say I'm not. Let's be honest. I'm not going to say every letting agent gives you that because mm. <laughs> uh, I've yet to come across a better letting agent than me. Let's be honest, you know, um, I'm just going to put that out there. If you're a letting agent and you want to challenge me, then by all means challenge me to be the number one letting agent in Scotland or Britain or whatever it is, and I'll beat you. Well, I think as well, I mean, if you're not used to being a landlord and trying to deal with that side of the rent collection, well, it can be an awkward conversation to have to go to somebody and be like, oh, you paid your rent, what's going on? So if you've got somebody to kind of take that stress off of you and you know they're sorting it as well, it just takes that, it gives you a wee bit more kind of peace of mind rather than having to go and knock on somebody's door, oh, you've not paid your rent. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously um, keeping on top of obviously rental payments and that can be an awkward conversation um, if you don't know how to approach it properly or you don't know the right avenues to try and resolve it. Um, I think they all go hand in hand with obviously managing the property correctly. And, and Here's an easy top tip for somebody that's watching just now. It's maybe yeah. self-managing their cell, they're struggling to collect their rent. Just knock on the tenant's door and say, I'm not really sure, but did you realise that your actual, your rent's not getting paid anymore? Yeah. Or you're standing over, or, or you're, you're standing over, uh, standing orders mm -hmm. no coming in our bank anymore. Now, I'll tell you 99 times out of 100, even though they realise that, um, they'll actually say, oh, I didn't realise. Um, so what are we going to do about it to resolve it? And then it opens up really easy straight away because it's non-confrontational. You're no backing somebody into a corner. Uh, and so they're, they're no coming out fighting. Um, so there's a there's a top tip straight away in order to get your rent back on track or or the first steps in order to do that. Yeah. Yeah, good point. And, and a good, obviously, action to take if things are in that situation is just to open that conversation with the tenant and, and take it for there. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously accidental landlords look at the options of finding uh, 
uh, finding and managing tenants and, and, and using agents. And then obviously, of course, preparing your property, which is the next sub uh, topic. Now, as a legal requirement, you need to comply with gas, electricity and fire safety regulations by obtaining certificates and inst installing smoke alarms. But a successful rental property is also one that's easy and enjoyable to live in. If you've lived in the home for a long time, you're probably used to its quirks and you might not have reminded, uh, uh, remedied minor repairs. We're all busy and it's easy to forget non-urgent tasks with a thousand other things to do. For an inherited property, you may need to bring it up to date with modern standards and expectations. And if you've never lived there, you're less likely to be fully aware of ongoing problems, overdue maintenance and outstanding repairs. When a tenant moves in, they'll experience all the goods and all the bads in a very short space of time. This might prove overwhelming and upsetting for them while giving you a long and urgent to-do list. Little things like leaky taps, wobbly handles, cupboards and doors that do, don't close, or anything that requires a knack to function will almost certainly come back to haunt you. Fix them now and avoid them becoming a source of unnecessary friction. Um, now that's, um, we see things like that quite a lot. It could, could, could occur here and I could see you smiling because I wish you've dealt with a lot of that. So I'll let you give me your input on what you think about obviously that in preparation of property. Yeah, I think obviously if you're not living in a property all the time, you're not going to pick up on like the little niggles, like you say, and when a new tenant goes in, you find that you get little teething issues from it. So I think it's just address, of addressing them at the start of the tenancy and making good of them, just and then you're getting your tenancy back on like a good term. Obviously, there's going to be little bits and pieces, but it's addressing it in the best way. So you keep your tenant happy and you've got a property that's kept in like a good condition as well. Yeah, I think a good point in that as well, and I think it, it really does uh, uh, factor in with accidental landlords. Like maybe if people are uh, living in the property and they move for work and they go to let the property out, I mean, things like um, just obviously kitchen cupboards, maybe not shutting properly, and things, things that you've become accustomed to while you live there and they're fine with you because you're like, oh, you just lift that up and lift that cupboard door up and push it in and shut it. And it's like, but if a tenant comes in, that's not acceptable to them. I mean, they're paying rent, they want the cupboard door just to shut properly, just for example. So all these wee things that, Maybe if you're living in a property and they're fine to you, you really need to address them. And then that's why it's good to have an agent come in and obviously look around the property and give you um, a, a view of what the property is from their perspective and like, like you need to do this, this and this to make the property good. Um, Jim, I'm sure you've experienced things like that over the years. Classic, classic one is, oh, I tell you what, I'll just leave my furniture and uh, I know it's, oh, it's really nice, it's a bra suite. Has it got the fire tickets on it? Oh well, I cut them off because they were hanging out. It's like you're, you've had it; you can't leave it. Yeah. So, so as soon as you cut the labels off, your 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 uh, your suite's null and invalid, and 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 the headboards as well. You know, if you've got foam-based headboards and they've got fire certificates, uh, fire tickets on them, and you actually take them off and cut them off as well, it's invalid. You can't leave them. Um, so it's 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 these minor things that you've inherited from being an accidental landlord that you don't realise that you're actually passing on to someone else and they are non-compliant um, yeah. with existing legislation. And, you know, you're, you're right. And, and we come back to saying preparing your property. It's, uh, I always keep saying, and I beat the drum, it's, uh, would you live in it yourself? And if you wouldn't yeah. live in it yourself, then you shouldn't be renting it to anybody else. Um, that's the reality. Um, so you've got to put it in a fit state about, you know, how you would want it yourself in order to rent it to someone else. Now, I'm not talking about putting a German-style 
a top of the range kitchen and and, and you know and and your porcelain also and tiles and and bathroom suites and all the rest of it. I'm talking about you know you know mid mid range uh, kitchens, um, good standard Howden's eighteen carcass uh, eighteen mil carcass kitchens, yeah. ready built, just slot in, uh, nice quality worktop, stainless steel oven, hob and extractor. These sort of things that just make the just make uh, make it a lot better for somebody mm. to want to live in it. Um, and and if, if you're inheriting a property, then you know you might have to make these upgrades in order to rent it. Um, you have a lot of people that inherit the property or they have to look after the property because the person in there has to go into care. Yeah, you know, so they become an, they become an accidental landlord to protect the asset because what happens is um, on occasions you can rent it and then the rental or the rental amount will go towards the care costs and it keeps a hold of the asset just now. However on occasions they'll force you to sell the asset yeah. um, for the care cost. But I don't know the ins and outs of it completely legally. Maybe some lawyer could pick up on that if they're listening to this and, and give us a wee bit of advice on it um, or, or for anyone else. Um, but but you should really consult a, a, a professional lawyer for it. But that often happens um, where, where you do get people approaching us. They're going to rent it because they want to protect the asset. I mean, and quite rightly so. Let's be honest. It's like, you know, these people have worked all their life to accumulate this wealth through the it into their family, while somebody else has just basically given it all away. You know, <laughs> I, I don't even want to say the word. <laughs> Lived the life of Riley and never had a care in the world, and they are sitting across the table from them getting the same amount of money paid for them by the government. It's, yeah. it's just no right. It just doesn't sit right with me morally and the fact mm -hmm. that they're supposed to be passing it on to their family and their next generation in order to help them. And as a result, it just gets souped up into the ether by the government. Yeah, I mean, we see that, we see that happening quite a lot. And then I do agree with that statement, Jim. I mean, I think I'll need a soapbox to stand on the day. <laughs> I know. No, you made a good point, and I do, I do agree with that, and I'm sure uh, many will as well. Um, and we have seen that happen. Uh, a lot through the years it's happened for a long time uh, to people and and it is a shame but unfortunately it is the way it is um, the, the key to that is lifetime tenancies yeah you know you need to speak to a solicitor about that but the reality is if you're getting to that age then maybe you should give you give the, the asset to your your kids straight away and then you have a lifetime tenancy um mm -hmm. in the actual property until you pass away and then the asset's theirs because they own it um, yeah. But it keeps you. It keeps your legal rights. Again, speak to a solicitor about this. But keeps you in a place where you're legally entitled to live in that place till you pass on. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Some good advice. Um, I think, as you mentioned here, about obviously inheriting property, and uh, obviously if you're inheriting the property or you're taking over the property while somebody maybe is in care, um, then the property is more than likely going to be dated and need to be upgraded. But I think upgrades you need to be careful on the standard i mean you don't even have to be doing these like you say these high spec finishes as long as they're good quality finishes and then it says obviously in here for larger expenses like upgrading fittings and appliances talk to us first and we'll help you budget correctly and op optimize your rent income by increasing exactly the sort of home that tenants want to rent so well, I mean, that's, that's the classic about you yeah. know they often get you know i've often been renting people's houses and they've been talking about upgrading the kitchen and they've been given quotes and Ren Kitchens has been out. Let's name a name here, and yeah. the, the quote is fifteen thousand pound. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And the gold plate in the worktops. <laughs> it's like fifteen thousand pound for a kitchen at five thousand yeah. pounds, top of the range, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, in terms of that, unless you're unless you're gold plating or putting marble or 
you know, granite worktops on or whatever. It's like £15,000 for a kitchen is no, no compass menace, really. I mean, you've got, unless it's for you to stay in permanently, but no, no for things like that. That's There's just no return in that. £15,000 could give you a deposit on a one-bedroom flat, you know, on a buy-to-let property, never mind buying a kitchen, which will earn a hell of a lot more money than buying a kitchen well. I know, and, and to be honest, I am... Um... I've seen a lot of rain kitchens being installed and things, and the quality is not that astonishingly great, to be honest. But um, you could get probably just as good for uh, a fraction of the price, like you say, Jim. Howden's is quite a good one. Um, yeah, they're, maybe... listen, they're all good, Richard. Um, it's just that some of them, you know, uh, rain's good quality, uh, Howden's oh. good quality, mm -hmm. right. is good quality, Magnet's good quality. They're all good quality kitchens at a certain price range. Yeah, That's the key here. I, often what, what happens is a, is a salesman walks in from that area and they're commission-based. So mm -hmm. they see a golden opportunity if you're given the right signals to charge you an extortionate amount, more than what the actual kitchen is. I get it at Howden's. Yeah. They've got, it's like price of the month. It's, they just make it up as they go along. <laughs> and, I, and I look at my previous one and I, I look at my previous invoice and it's like, well, I've got that carcass for like, I've got that carcass for 80 quid last month. On mm -hmm. this one that you're quoting me for this kitchen, the same carcass is £200. That can't be right. And, oh, well, yeah. I, I, okay, I, I, we'll just adjust it then. Right, all right, okay, just like that. Yeah, so and you, then maybe you have to be careful and you have to watch. Yeah, I think, and obviously, like, um, Jim, you do, you do a lot of, like, refurbs and things often, so maybe you're, you're obviously aware of these changes in prices, but people that aren't, then they're, they're just going to accept it and think, well, that's the price. But obviously, you're seeing the difference in that in a shorter period of time. Um, which again, obviously, pays dividends to come to somebody who's in the know and obviously experienced and could advise you properly about pricing structures for things and not overpaying for certain fixtures and fittings. And, 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 well, yeah. that's where your money's made, isn't it? You could yeah. end up. I mean, where, where? Again, I come back to when I when I walk around some properties and I'm taking viewers around the property. You get astronomical figures thrown at you. It's going to cost me £50,000 or a fortune to upgrade this property. But then when you come back to saying, well, how much does that £50,000 break down to? Let's, take, let's walk through it. Okay, how much is your windows? Well, well then it's going to be that. No, well, your windows is that. It's half that price. Okay, so what's, what have you got for your kitchen? Oh, well, I've got that. No, your kitchen is that because I've got the same kitchen somewhere else mm -hmm. and I've installed it with this size of property. Uh, and then what about your bathroom? Oh, your bathroom. And by the time we've finished... The conversation, the the budget that they had is is my my budget's half of theirs, yeah. and then they see sense and they go, "Ah, oh, you're absolutely right." I says, "But I tell you what, if you want me to charge you fifty grand, I'll go and fit everything for you." <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm happy to make the money, um, and and they understand and they get the point straight away. Um, and the fact that you know you have to be careful because that's where you start losing your margins because then you're you're investing a lot more capital in the project and you're not able to release it again because you'll not get a favourable valuation if you're putting that amount of money into a property. Yeah. You have to be pretty savvy in what you're doing in order to, to get the maximum out so you've got the least money in to make the highest return on that investment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think the takeaway for that there is to obviously be very vigilant with your spending and budgeting when doing any uh, renovations or upgrades to a property. Okay, and then that brings us on to the next topic, which is mortgage and tax. Now, lending policies vary widely. Um, Jim, you buy to let mortgages is your forte, so you'll be interested in this uh, section. So if you have a mortgage on your existing home, you'll need to inform your lender that you intend to rent it out. 
Now, depending on the terms and conditions of your loan, you may be allowed to stay on the same agreement, or they may switch you to a more expensive buy-to-let rate. Before you commit to anything, explore other lenders and see whether you can remortgage with them on a more flexible terms. Talk to a financial advisor with experience in residential and buy-to-let mortgages to understand every option open for you. Rates and products are changing all the time, and you may even find a more competitive deal than your current one. The rent received from your property is taxable, but there are various costs you can claim back in general maintenance. In general maintenance, repairs and management are allowable expenses, but improvements are not. Um, so yeah, and an example of that there, it says is obviously if an oven breaks down and you need to replace it, you can take the cost off your income, but if you decide to upgrade the kitchen, that's not an allowable expense. That says you're undoubtedly increased the rent you achieve by keeping your property up to scratch ahead of competition. So I think, yes, yeah, so obviously um, mortgage rates and, and things, obviously you need to seek the proper advice when you're doing that to see if you, you are getting obviously the, the best rate that's out there. Um, I think speaking to the people that know that, obviously, whether that be your mortgage uh, broker or obviously um, an agent who has experience in obviously the buy-to-let market, like obviously ourselves, is very important to do that. I mean, Jim, you do a lot of buy-to-let deals. Um, yeah, you got to, you got to be very wary. Um, yeah. Probably a classic now is uh, with the with the bank, and I'm not going to say which bank it is. No. Um, but but one one person came to me about commercial loans, and she says to me, "It's uh, and I says, well, what's the going rate?" And she went, "Well, we could do this at a loan value of sixty uh, percent, and we could charge four and a half percent above base." And I went, and I went, "What? Four and a half percent above base? You're having a laugh." I actually said that to her, by the way. <laughs> so you're having a laugh. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I got switched to someone else who says, oh, well, we can maybe do that about 2.5. What? Just because... <laughs> so you've almost halved the rate just because I said you're having a laugh. And again, I come back to saying it's amazing how many people are out there. It'll just take somebody else's word for it and think there's no negotiation involved in this. Fair enough if you've got the mortgage works and you've got Birmingham Midshires and you're going to a normal mortgage broker, that's fine. But you've got to be careful if you're dealing with your personal bank. Your personal bank is there as a business. They're there to make money. So yep. they'll maybe not technically sell you the buy-to-let product. It will give you the best deal. Um, they're there to get the best deal for them. That's yep. really what it comes down to. So having a good mortgage broker on your side, uh, somebody who's prepared and, and versed in buy-to-let and specialises in buy-to-let is a big, big plus. Really, that's what it comes down to. Because, again, this is another wee thing that you'll save a fortune on. Because it's not about... It's not about it's not about the big win in this. It's about the wee small successive wins that you get throughout the process. Mm -hmm. It is the refurb. It, it, it's a bit less. It is the purchase price you maybe bought it for, or you maybe inherited it for, or you've maybe taken it over for. Um, it is the it is the the lower interest rate you'll get. It'll maybe give you an extra fifty pound a month, which is effectively six hundred pound a year, which is in ten years time is six thousand pound. Who wouldn't want another six thousand pound straight in their pocket? Because yeah. it's no it's no it's no variable. It's like you save money on your mortgage. It doesn't. There's no other cost to that. You don't get. You don't get any of that cost. It goes straight to your bottom line. Yeah. So that's what you want to do. But again, I come back to saying having a, having a letting agent that actually knows that and understands that, and a broker that understands that as well, uh, knows full well how important it is these marginal improvements all the way through the process in order to maximise the return at the end for you. 
I, I mean, there, in point, when you think about the logic of this, if I could save somebody £50 a month on their buy-to-let mortgage, they've got, and they got us to manage their property because they were managing it themselves, effectively, it's a cash-neutral situation to them, and they're no longer managing it. And I've yeah. done that for people before. It's amazing. And, and the same with rent as well. It's like, you know, we've had people before, it's like, I'm only charging £300 a month. I'm like, what? You should be charging about 400 I says, you could end up paying us 60 quid. You're 40 quid up and you, we're doing it for you. And I says, we're getting 400 instead of 300 I never even thought of that. And, you know, they've been with us for years. <laughs> I know the people in point that I was speaking to, but it's these chance meetings and chance conversations that you have with someone, to think to yourself, I never even knew that. A lot of people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And, and that is the biggest challenge in the buy-to-let market. You go through it completely blind and oblivious to the fact that you've got to comply with all these bits of legislation, plus the fact there's absolutely fantastic offers out there and fantastic interest rates and fantastic you know, ways of doing things in order to maximise the returns. I mean, everybody talks about 6%, and I'm like, you're crazy. I'm at 12 minimum. Nice. It's like, I want 12 minimum. I'm no going any below that. Six percent is disgraceful. I should take myself out and shoot myself if that's the case. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I, clearly, I clearly won't do that. But <laughs> no, <laughs> it's interesting you bring up people's knowledge uh, with regards to obviously rental value and things. I mean, um, recently this week, Ken, quite a good example as a new landlord has never let before, and he was really clued up on the legislation side of things. He had always smoke alarms on, he had always certificates in hand, and things. But he had no knowledge about rental value, uh, and the property in question was, uh, I think, what did we, we value, Karen, six fifty, seven hundred pounds a month? He was expecting something like three hundred pounds, and he just he was totally like blown away with, with the rental valuation. I would have guaranteed him three hundred pounds a month, and I would have gone and rented it for something, <laughs> and he would have had the asset, and he would have had control of it, but I would have made money for nothing. Yeah, yeah, but so he was uh, totally, obviously. Um, completely oblivious to how much he could actually achieve for it. Um, so you were going to say, Kevin? Yeah, we were, I was shocked by what he thought that he was going to get as opposed to what we actually said to him. Obviously, just having somebody that knows more side of the market, you you can see the difference in return that you'd get. Because obviously, if he'd gone and done that himself, he would have been getting a fraction of, well, half of what he could have been getting for it. Yeah, and it was a surprise to us as well because obviously he was... He was quite knowledgeable about the, the legislation side of things, which is um, not not so common when you speak to landlords, especially landlords who are not really uh, letting property already. Um, so yeah, so that was a good surprise for him, and I think it I think it kind of uh, reaffirmed his uh, faith in us as an agent, obviously that we were advising them properly as well. So what, what I see as well as as the fact that he, he could he could make a lot more money, but then he could he could do something with the property. He could yeah. actually put, if it needs a new kitchen, he could put a new kitchen in probably within a year and, and have a payback straight away, you know, within a year. And he, it was money he didn't have anyway. The tenant's happy as Larry because they've got a new kitchen, a new bathroom or whatever. I mean, I got caught out with this recently. I've had a tenant with me for about 20 odd years and I gave them a huge discount in the beginning and I never ever paid attention to it. And, and I accrued to about £20,000 at the end of the day that I yeah. could have made over and above what I did. And I'm not really bored about that, but now it's come back to haunt me. Because it's like, I want a new kitchen. Okay, I'll give you a new kitchen. I want a new heating system. I want new windows. I want a new bathroom now. Or I'm moving out. And I'm like, where, where do you think that's coming from? Is, is there a magic money tree somewhere? Yeah. Because oh. you've got away with £20,000 and extra 
payments you should have paid over the years. Therefore, where do you think that where do you think that refund would all come from? It would have come from the extra you would have paid me in order to do that. I've still got to pay the bank finance as well on the property because it's a vital mortgage. So, um, and we've still got to run it as well. So, you know, what part of that do you understand? Your rent will have to go up. Well, if I'm paying more rent, I'm wanting this. It's like, aye. But you've still got to take account that you've got away with £20,000 over the years. So I don't, I will never do that again. But for me, it was a lesson learned. And the great thing is I've always taught that as part and parcel of something that's happened to me and it's benefited everybody else as a result. So you know yourself, Richard and Karen, that most of the things that have happened to me in the past and the experience I've gained out of it, whether it's been negative or has always been a positive experience at the end of the day. Because um, because it's a learning opportunity yeah, for me, and, yeah. and I'm able to pass on that knowledge to everyone else, so they'll understand exactly why they need to do what they need to do, rather yeah. than actually just thinking, oh, but they're a really nice person. I'm, I, you know, I would really like to charge them a lot lower. And it's like, oh, I tell you what, I'll come back to haunt you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, accidental landlord or not, don't think like that. You have to think. Like it's you've got to look after this person. If anything goes wrong, you've got to be able to reinvest in them. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And and, and in a situation like that, I think there needs to be some negotiation and, and common uh, common ground where you find. I uh, like you say, obviously you you were quite happy to obviously then install the kitchen heating system and things, but then obviously it started to spiral to well, we're we just going to re re refurb and renovate the whole the whole. Why did I not just knock down the house and start again? <laughs> yeah, all right. So there needs there needs to be uh, that kind of common ground where like right, okay I've done this and that's enough so um, yeah but just to skip back obviously the topic obviously uh, mortgages and taxes I think uh, accidental landlords of course if um, you're looking at mortgage options and things don't just stick to the bank that's already got the mortgage on the property speak to uh, the professionals obviously lenders or mortgage brokers yeah. and obviously agents like yourselves to, to get the best advice and. And, and hopefully get the best rate on on any vital mortgages or that that you have in, in place. I think just to go with, like you say, Jim, your experience with the banks, it's not yep. really the best option to just proceed with. So There's a lot more tax deductions as well. I mean, the tax authorities are a lot more lenient now. They realise things like, well, classic example was when I first started, every house was a single glazed. And there was a mass move to upgrade everybody to double glazing. And yeah. really, it was never, it was, you know how it was, the, the is it an improvement or is it just normal uh, revenue expenditure? Um, my background's accountancy, so I get it completely. Yeah. Um, and they said, look, you know, it's expected practice now to actually upgrade to double glazing. So we would actually give you that as an allowable expense now, even though it's classified as an improvement. So yeah. you get instant deduction from that. And there's a lot more lenient as, no, as well now because you've got the wear and tear allowance, which was taken away, um, and they're now actually just doing it on replacement. So everything you replace more or less is deductible now. Um, the kitchen, as long as it's like for like, if, if they will allow it to be deducted straight away. Um, yeah. if, if the, the normal course of practice is if you add something on, so probably the classic example when I first started was if you had a normal, if you had a bath and you put the shower over the bath, the shower, the installation of the shower would actually be capitalized. So yeah. that would go to the capital value. So the only way you get a deduction is when you actually sold the property, you would get a deduction against your capital gains. Yeah, um, whereas, whereas, whereas now they're a bit more lenient towards that and they allow it a bit more, but, but they've, not got the, they've not got the manpower anymore to go and check all these things. Yeah. So the reality is just be prepared for it to come back to, to, to haunt you. But they'll, they'll get you one way or the other because 
if you get an instant de deduction on it, when you go to sell it, you'll be a higher capital gains. Yeah. No, it's it's or or vice versa. If you if you don't get the instant deduction, you'll pay income tax a bit more. But when you go to sell it, your capital gains will be a bit lower. So it's 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 exactly you know what sort of what sort of what sort of portfolio do you want to build? But that's no about this. This is about accidental landlords. Yeah, yeah, and I think but obviously allowable expenses. If you're an accidental landlord, you probably won't be aware that you, there is allowable expenses that are tax deductible. So that's something to keep in mind as well. So uh, yeah, moving on. Obviously, we have now got insurance and inventories to discuss, and most rentals are unfurnished. That's partly down to the strict rules around fire safety, as we mentioned already, on furniture, and also because tenancies are getting longer. Tenants want to be surrounded by their own belongings and feel completely at home. Yet even an unfurnished property has plenty inside that needs to be insured. Kitchen cupboards, appliances, bathroom fittings, heating systems, floor coverings, electrical sockets and switches, maybe some light fittings, curtains or blinds. So alongside your regular buildings insurance policy, you should take out landlord's contents insurance to provide you with a sufficient cover in the event of damage. An inventory is another essential component and can protect you and your tenants from unnecessary misunderstandings. The lack of one is why many landlords lose deposit disputes, which has been one of the previous topics, because they need to prove less a loss or neglect to make a valid claim. Preparing an inventory yourself can lead to uh, leave you vulnerable to dispute as it might be seen as subjective. You're much better off instructing an experienced and independent third party to provide a comprehensive written and photographic account of your property's fittings and conditions. Now, a lot of good points in there. Um, I think inventories are a very important thing. We can't stress enough to people, Karen, I think when we're, we're setting up tenancies that although inventories are not mandatory, um, they really need to be in place to kind of safeguard you for that whole process at the end. If, if in the event you need to be making a claim and they do accept um, landlords doing their own inventories but as it says here you do run a risk doing that I mean if you're not using the correct terminology or, or photographing things correctly it's not going to be worth the paper it's written on so um, they're things that obviously you need to take into consideration and I think landlords insurance of course is a is a, um, a very important factor um, obviously you need to have that in place or you leave yourself wide open to it's essential. Look at oh, the case. Of course, yeah. Look and at the case. Is. Look at the case in point that I've got just now. I've had a property which is empty since 2018, mm -hmm. and they're about to make out an interim payment from a rent I've lost of twenty thousand yeah. pounds, and then the damage that's been caused over the years because someone upstairs won't fix the roof and lets it flood into mine. Um, they're actually going to have to lay about thirty thousand pound yeah. uh, to sort that as well. Um, so and then they're actually going to have to take legal action against them as well. But I had the right policy; it, it perfectly covered me. And and this will be a surprise to everyone. I have no contents insurance because yeah. the policy I have automatically covers you for five thousand pound worth of contents insurance, and it also covers you for damage to your kitchens, your fixtures, um, your flooring, your carpets, your uh, garden. If your garden gets damaged because the, the fire brigade have to trample all over it to get in, you know, to break a window to 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 get their uh, water in or anything like that and um, that policy covers you and I don't have any contents insurance at all because it's all standard practice and yet that policy I bought was a hundred and twenty pound yeah. sixty thousand pound later and I bought <laughs> it for a hundred and twenty grand how brilliant is that is having the right insurer is key in that scenario um, because you're protected 
Now let's look at that with someone else who instantly, um, maybe about five, six, seven years ago when they had the really bad winter, upstairs was flooded um, and it kept pouring in because their washing machine pipe had burst and it was £25,000 worth of damage. Yeah. And at the time when I met that landlord, I insisted to them, you need to have the right policy. It's the policy that I've got today that I've just talked about. Yeah. And they said, no, 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 no. My, you know, I've had my brokers for years. I trust them. They'll do everything for me. They'll, they'll tell me I trust them what to do. And I went, are you sure? Because some policies won't cover you just in case, because you know you, you deal, he does deal with the DSS housing benefit market, you know, the universal credit. And I says, are you sure that covers? Yes, it does cover me, my broker says. £25,000 worth, and uh, he wasn't covered. Loss adjuster yeah. walked in the door. I thought nothing of it, because it says, what's the circumstance of the tenant? I went, well, they're on benefits. Um, you know, they get their money paid to us direct and all the rest of it. Went, oh, I, I don't think they're covered for that. It took him two years of legal battles, having to pay for a solicitor to battle it out to get £25,000. Now, compare that. He probably paid double the amount of money, by the way, for his insurance policy than I paid for mine. Mm. Now, there's the comparison there straight away. I'm still getting paid regardless, and it's still covered, and somebody's still doing something for me. And this one, he had to fight to get £25,000 worth and actually pay a solicitor to do it. That is the most important thing about getting the right insurers to do it. Direct yeah. line is, a, is not the policy you should be using. That's yeah. they're, they're double the price. They don't cover most of the criteria that specific landlord insurance policies cover. Um, so, you know, but people trust them because it's a big name. That's big really company. what it comes down to. But they don't understand. So, again, it comes back to experience of existing landlords and letting agents understand that process for insurance. Yeah, people people do put their trust in the bigger companies because they they're very, they're very large uh, businesses. They're, they're, they're quite obviously widely advertised, and and people just assume that well, surely they're going to give me the proper cover. I, I know that that case you were referring to about obviously the guy who didn't have the correct cover in place for covering the universal credit tenant. I do use that as an example quite often when speaking to tenants because it, landlords, because obviously if the tenants on benefits, does your does your policy cover that? And 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 really reinforce that any insurance policy you consider putting in place you really need to read what you're actually covered for and, and, and look at the finer detail. It's amazing as well, the amount of landlords that you go around to actually meet for the first time, or even accidental landlords have inherited the property and they've got to rent it. And then you mentioned to them about, you know, let's take it, you've got your landlord insurance in place because they've got the tenant in situ and you're like, yeah. they're like, oh, right, okay, so so which policy did you use? No, I just kept a normal house insurance. Uh, what? Which what? The house burns down, you've got they've got no liability because you've put somebody else in there which has complete control of it. Even yeah. when I rented to the local authority under private sector leasing, where the local authority took flats and properties off of me and looked after them, I couldn't use my existing landlord's policy because it didn't cover you for the fact that it was the council, it was in control of the tenant, it went in. So yeah. I had to get a separate policy by an underwriter, um, which actually covered that type of that type of uh, of tenancy agreement, um, because mm -hmm. I was effectively leasing to the council. They were my tenant, and the and tenant they were, they were putting in was the tenant of the council, yeah. which I had no control over. So it, my normal policy I talked about the other now did not apply. Mm -hmm. So it, it's coming back to saying it's amazing the amount of people you walk in the door and they say, "Oh well, I'm I'm covered," and it's like I've just let the normal house insurance run, and I'm like, "You're no covered at all." You better get that changed quick because if this anything happens to this, 
your thousands and they'll just walk away. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, a very, very important uh, aspect of letting. And Kevin, you'll know yourself, obviously, it's one of the things that we obviously check with every landlord that's coming on that, that they have the, the insurance policy in place, along with everything else that goes hand in hand. That's um, probably where it comes back to the, the inventories as well. I mean, you're right about the inventories, because if you've got an inventory in place, then you've got a full belts and braces assessment of the property yeah. if anything happens, mm -hmm. you know, especially for your insurance and also for you know yourself the deposit re resolution system yeah. because they'll only ever believe somebody that's independent now they'll very rarely believe the existing landlord um yeah. so you're on you're on a wing and a prayer yeah i think it is important to have the inventory done by uh, ideally by a third party the uh, inventory clerk or, or and not and not even the agent because obviously um i think it's better to have that that third party involved yeah so, and then that brings us on to staying within the law. Now, depending on your mindset, landlord legislation is either a fascinating or forever changing landscape that thrills at every turn, or a minefield of obstacles and paperwork that sends you running for the hills. Both. And I, think, and I think that's the difference. Some landlords could feel overwhelmed, and I think letting agents and things like that do it as a job, and I think sometimes there's a certain degree of satisfaction when you know that you followed everything correctly, everything's checked off, everything's in place. Do you know what I mean? It's like, right, okay, that's all done right. And and, and obviously that's that's part of what we do. I mean, it's a big part of what we do. Um, so there is a bit of gratification in that. And I think maybe uh, we find it a lot more uh, satisfying than what a normal landlord would. They maybe see it as an obstacle and, and things that are in their way. So whatever your view, it's, respons it's your responsibility as a landlord to ensure that your properties comply with all current regulations around gas, ele electrical, fire safety, as well as habitation. It's a non-negotiable requirement, and ignorance is no defence. Fines can be heavy, so don't leave anything to chance. If you intend to be a self-managing landlord, the best way to stay fully informed about your responsibilities is to either is either through online landlord forums or be regularly checking the government's website for updates to the law. When you use a managing agent, you're effectively shifting the accountability of knowing the law to them, an attractive option when legislation isn't your favourite route. And that's just obviously reinforcing what we're discussing, which we all, what we always re reiterate is that we do it daily, and that is our job. And if you're not prepared to be uh, so hands-on and, and knowledgeable about the legislation and, and compliance of things, you could you could end up being in hot water. I think if you're a landlord and things go wrong and you've not met the compliance or legislation um, on the property. Agree with that, Kim, obviously? Yep, obviously, as we touched on, there's a lot of safety requirements along with the property. So you're having to make sure that you're do not only doing them, but doing them well. So like you say, you have to be like knowledgeable on what you have to be doing, what standard you have to be doing them up to, which can be quite overwhelming. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's funny, some landlords uh, we speak to that obviously maybe are accidental or, or just new landlords in general and, and their um, perspective on what are like all the, uh, uh, and they think that, that they've done enough and uh, they come to us and say that's all in place, it's all done and we have a look at things and think no, but you still have to do this, you still have to do this um, and uh, yeah, it could be quite, um, uh, be quite a surprise to them because they, they think they've got it all in hand and they don't uh, and it just shows how um, people can be uh, unknowingly ignorant to what the the requirements they need to be meeting are uh, and without the knowledge or, or advice for some uh, someone who's got the experience then they're left they've left themselves wide open 
Well, look at the classic. Look at look at the classic example you get of oh, I've I've inherited the property and uh, all my friends living in it. Yeah, that, like, like, so where where's the lease? Uh, oh well, it's just my friend, isn't it? It's like we're just like I've gotten it. We're just that's the way it is, right? Okay, so immediately the Scottish legislation falls into place. They've instantly got rights under that legislation, which yeah. are more draconian than actually having the lease itself. Yeah. So did you give them any? Did you give them the park when they moved in? Did you show them the EPC? Did you go? The, did you show them the gas? What gas certificate? What what electricity certificate? It's like what, that's an accidental landlord. Yeah, it's, that's a typical example. It's like so you've done nothing to them, and uh, and and I could see that you've probably done nothing to them because I'm walking around and I'm seeing that none of you you've got nothing to smoke to. Oh, I've got one in the, the fire brigade put it up. It's a classic, eh? The fire brigade put it up. And yeah, the fire brigade's doing a wonderful job of put, putting battery power smoke alarms in, but they don't know your property is rented. They're just going on as, as a normal house owner and going, there, well, we'll put one up for you because we've been giving them a, as a freebie by Scottish Power to go around and give out to people just, yeah. to, just to create more awareness of, of smoke detectors and be safe in your home. And, and it's, 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 it's gobsmacking sometimes, yeah. you know. It's, I just, I, I can't understand, but but let's come back to the staying within the law. We're staying within the law, but is the law actually doing anything about it? No, no. they're not. They're not placing it at all. So the, the very people set up to actually put all this legislation in place and say, you must do this, you must do that, you must comply with this, and they, they haul you over the coals for doing anything out of that, then actually don't police it. They don't yeah. actually make sure that everything's in place. They don't check anybody. There's a classic example. And um, when did somebody check that last letting agent I had in Cooper that I bought these properties from? Probably never. Probably never. Yeah. And yet, so who's checking them? And the trading standards, landlord registration, they're all meant to be checking. But if the trading standards can't even look after the kebab shops and police them, how the hell are they going to police blooming landlords? Because there's there's about 20,000 throughout Fife. And there's more tenures as well. Yeah. So where does that leave us? So it's a great talking point for everybody to have the landlord, the private landlords, the, the proverbial whipping boy or whatever it is. And, and we're always the one that everybody wants to have a go at. But yeah. the reality is we're actually following the legislation and the people that are actually putting the legislation in place are needing actually properly monitoring it. Yeah, I definitely no, need a soapbox. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good point you make. Maybe that could be my, my retirement present. Maybe you could just buy me a soapbox and soapbox. That'll You're take a while. You plan on retiring? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, well, I'm, I'm retired now, but because I could sit on a beach and still earn yeah. money for the rest of my life. But the reality is, I love doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, sadly, I am of the mindset that the, the legislation just floats my boat completely. Um, but also arguing the principle with the authorities about the interpretation of the legislation and how it should be applied and when it should be applied is is great. I love it, you know, yeah. because it's it's a legal aspect. And then often they'll turn around and say, "Oh, you're absolutely right. We've just checked," you know. Mm -hmm. So I used to get that. I get that all the time, you know, where where the people that are supposed to be in power actually are saying, oh, it's got to be this, it's got to be that, it's got to be this. And then I challenge them and say, well, where is that in the legislation? It's like, oh, well, it's not really. It's actually just, it's hearsay and speculation being passed on by other people yeah. who they thought were in authority, and then they're just spouting out as well. So, you know, for politicians, uh, get your facts right before you open your mouth and let your belly rumble. <laughs>
yeah, I think no, as I well know. you can have even if you do know what you're doing with regards to the legislation like we've had a landlord that last week alone that I've been speaking to and she she was able to provide me with all the property safety certificates like she knew what she was doing on that aspect but she'd come to us because she was like I'm too overwhelmed was trying to get everything sorted out for a new tenant. She was like, I've got these people, but I don't know. So we've done the referencing for them, set up all their paperwork, did all the ins and outs for it, and obviously just took that stress off of her for it. But one of the key things that she said to me was, property is like my baby. No, that's it's such a, honestly, I totally understand it when people get into that situation because it's a property that they've lived in. They had the emotional attachment to it. But it makes it harder for you because then you're seeing it as somebody else makes a home and they'll pick up on things that perhaps that they've not picked up on when they've been living in it. And it can kind of get your back up a wee bit if people are picking up faults property that's been your baby. So it's easier to have an agent that's this impartial person that's going to deal with the property in an aspect of this is what needs to be done as opposed to the emotional side of it as well. So obviously yeah. we were able to take that stress off of her for it. So you are going to get landlords that might be clued up with regards to legislation, but it will be such an overwhelming process. Just even trying to find yourself the right tenant for it. And just now we're in a day where legislation is so in favour of the tenants that you can't afford really to be for it. So you have to make sure you're doing like following the right procedure, even with referencing. Yeah. Just to make sure you're setting it up yeah. like a good stance at the start point for your tenancy. Well, it, it's it, just to finish off um, a bit here, it's like it's going to hit the fan when we're coming out of COVID and evictions have just been announced that we're allowed to go ahead with them now. And yeah. uh, But but are we actually going to go back to the, 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 the standard normality we had before in terms of legislation for private rented landlords? I, I don't think so. I think the government mm -hmm. are going to take this a golden opportunity to leave some of the things in place. I, I think I think they're going to they're going to use that as an opportunity to yeah I think really oh well you survived with it without it that's why I went hell for leather at Jenny Gilruth and uh, Kevin Stewart because I thought you're going to get to the end of this and think everything everything they went swimmingly well and no realizing that the plight of private landlords and the amount of money that they're losing and the the stress and the the mental health that they're suffering as a result because their hands are tied. And so I need to tell you now. So I've been going at them hammer and tongue all this time, you know, yeah. in the background, uh, making sure they're completely aware of this. So it's no surprise that I'll pop my head above the parapet and start arguing or they say we should leave things in place. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, and I think just to round off, obviously, becoming an accidental landlord can provide you with the income, an income-producing asset for many years and into retirement. But preparing your home correctly, staying on top of maintenance, attending swiftly to repairs and keeping abreast of legislation, you'll lay the groundwork for a run of successful tenancies. Um, and any, I mean, final thoughts for me here, I think, is to obviously, if you become a landlord by accident, make sure you seek the right advice through, obviously, experienced letting agencies um, like yourselves, and also um, seek uh, advice from mortgage brokers to get your best deal on your mortgage and things as well. I mean, you need to seek the right advice. Jim, final thoughts? Have a chat with us first, please. Yeah. Um, and then if you decide to do it yourself, then fair enough, great stuff. That's what you really want to do. But I tell you what, you need to be aware of the the complete process that you have to get involved in. It's it's a minefield. And I tell you what, you'll wish you'd never done it um, and you just passed on to someone. The price of a cup of coffee every single day, remember that. That's what you're going through to be an accidental landlord if you're not getting a letting agent to do it. Yeah. 
And I think that's a good note to end on today. So uh, thanks for joining us, Jim. A lot of good points there. And thanks, Kim, as always, uh, very informative. And, Surprised uh, you put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm used to it now, Jim. It's fine. <laughs> right, guys. Well, I'll let you go and enjoy your day. And no bother. See you later, guys. Have a nice Bye. day. Bye.